Good to see everybody. How is everyone? Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a while since I've been here. Last time we were at the theater. Praise God, we've moved on. Amen? Amen. Um, you know, I was uh, sitting there on the front row uh, worshiping, and do you ever, uh, you ever have those moments where you're just not there yet? And I was sitting there, and I'm like, man, I'm tired. Anybody tired? Anybody? I'm, I got a two and a four-year-old. It's been a busy week. I'm, just, I'm like, I'm tired. I got to preach. You know, I got to get some energy going in my soul right now. And, and I'm going to be honest, there's times where you don't want to preach. Anybody ever just don't want to work? Anybody, you know, anybody like, you know, the alarm goes off on Monday. You're like, man, I don't want to work today. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I don't know if I want to preach. It's too late, right? I'm here. So the option was off the table, but the feeling was very much there. And the dude started worship. The, the team started worshiping and, um, and, um, Man, God is such a father. And I don't know um, what your father scenario was like growing up, um, but I really find God in these deep fathering moments. And I sat there, and the, the, the healer song came on, and then uh, we just got in the spirit, and I just started crying because I'm super emotional anyway. And so... I'm crying, and I wasn't crying because I had to preach. Now I'm crying because I'm getting excited to preach. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm there. I want to talk to you today uh, a little bit um, out of a context of, of, of a father. Um, I don't have a lot of experience to draw from, from a father. I'm a two and a four-year-old, which is like hell week in and out. Amen? Anybody ever? I mean, I have a two and a four-year-old, and, it, and they're boys, and it's bananas, and... I was at, a, I was at a, a football game last week, and our church had this, this fundraiser football game, and I'm sitting there, and my wife screams, Josh, do something. Now, my wife doesn't panic. She's very even keel. I'm the, the woman in the relationship, for sure. And so <laughs> she, you know, she, she screams, do something. And I turn around, and my two-year-old, he's got a football, and this kid, I don't know, he's maybe only three, but he's a big kid. Anybody just have a big kid? Anybody just have a big kid, like... Came out 10 pounds, he's 47 pounds now, and he's three, and just like, geez, that's one of those kids. I mean, he's like three, but he's like my height, which is relative, but um, he's got my kid, my two-year-old, he's got him in a headlock, which is not a big deal, but he's closed fist punching him. I've never seen my kid get closed fist punched yet. That was the first. And so I look over and this big three-year-old, this massive behemoth three-year-old boy, he's got my kid in a headlock, just boom, boom, just pounding him. And at first, like any parent, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like my kid is getting just destroyed. But then I, like, as I'm running and everything's in slow motion, I'm running over, I realize that my son still won't let go of the football. He's only two and he's just <laughs> But he won't let go. So I'm running and I'm like, my first reaction is like, I'm gonna drop kid this, kick this large three-year-old because it, it's a fair fight at this kid's size. Um, then my second thought was like, dude, my, my son can take a shot. Like that's, that's good, I'm proud of him. So I go down on my knees and I, and I, and I, and I, and I you know, pull this predator off my son. And I look into this kid's eyes. I don't know, he's maybe three. And my heart broke. My heart broke because I thought, dude, you're too young 
to be held accountable for this. Somewhere along the line, um, you haven't been fathered. Somewhere along the line, um, this reaction was normal. Somewhere along the line, nobody stopped and said, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not what we do. This is not how we function. And this is what fathering is all about. Like, like God comes into our lives, and, and all of us do really stupid, immature things. Can I get an amen? amen? I don't care how old you are, how polished you are, how effective you are. You do dumb things. We get these, these headlock moments where we, we act out, and we, we do things that are inappropriate, and God has this incredible way of sweeping in and fathering us. And I want to speak to you today because I believe there's an area of our life that we need to be fathered in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a, a, a sweeping uh, phrase, word here, but I think it's going to be in a context of, of however you see fit. But it's going to be on the subject matter of stewardship. And see, a lot of times when we talk about money in the church, we think that God's... Um, the vastness of God's creativity goes into tithing and sacrificial giving, right? Like we go to church, it's like, crap, talking about giving today. Janice, did you pray over it? I didn't either. Uh, you know, it's these moments where we're like, we got to talk about money. we got to talk about tithing. we got to talk about sacrificial giving. What I really think we need to talk about is stewardship of our lives, because giving money is just giving time, giving energy, giving grace, giving freedom, giving the right answer, uh, giving patience. It's all just a byproduct of stewardship. And I think for a lot of us in our lives, everybody in this room and somewhere in our life, we can say, I have poor stewardship in that area. Maybe it's in the way you react. Maybe it's in your spiritual disciplines. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your health. Maybe it's in your gossip. Maybe it's in your arrogance. I don't know what it is, but all of us have these things in our life where we go, I'm not stewarding that well. The problem is when we're mishandling things, when we're not stewarding things correctly, we never can make good decisions. Because we're so busy trying to figure out which way is up that we can't really make good decisions. I want to talk about stewardship today. Because I think God is in the business of fathering us towards stewardship. I think God does this amazing thing where he comes into our life and he says, I'm going to be dad. I'm going to walk with you through this stuff. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to instruct you. I'm going to be right here. And just like that little boy when he was beating the tar out of my kid, I, I jumped down there on my knees and I just, I looked in this little dude's eyes and I'm like, dude, you need a dad. You don't need me to lose my mind on you. You don't need me to push you away. And man, I, I you know, said, what did you do? You know, I, I got down there and I, I don't, I very rarely make the right decisions. Let me just be clear. Because, um, you know, pastors get up there. You know what I did? I acted like Jesus to this little boy. Yeah, I don't always do that. But I got down there and, I, and I, I put my hand on his back and his back was so small all of a sudden. Like this big boy, when I got in there, he was so tiny. And when I looked into his little eyes, they weren't big and raging anymore. He was just three. And he just needed a dad. You know, and I think God comes into our lives and he goes, I, I just want to father you. I just want to walk, with, walk you through these things in your life. 
And one of them is life stewardship. It's finances. It's all these things. And I just want to start with this. Proverbs 30, 25. We're going we're to do a little study on the ants. All right? Because the ants, why not? Because it's in the Bible. Here it is. I was thinking what my dad said. He's like, we can't, you know, we can, we can say scriptures, but we can't reference where they're from. Who can? <laughs> right? Anybody? You know what I mean? Like, it just says over there and uh, somewhere. Like, yeah, I made a living off that. All right, Proverbs 30, 25. Ants are creatures with little strength, yet they store up food in the summer. I want to talk about stewardship. Ants are creatures of little strength, Yet they store up their food in the summer. In the original Hebrew language, the, the, the phrase little strength means this. They have little skill and little ability. God's word says ants possess little skill and little ability. They are not refined. They are not intelligent. They don't have this incredible skill and incredible ability. Ants are little creatures. They don't have skills. They don't have the abilities. And maybe when it comes time to stewardship in an area of your life right now, you might say, when I think about that area of my life, I have very little skill and very little ability. I'm like the ant. What can I learn from the ant? My son was recently, he just turned four, and some friends of ours gave him a wallet. And when you open the wallet up, there's like an accordion with five little slots. And so they put $5 in there, one for each of his age and one because... Five, I don't know. So they gave him this thing. So he's got this little, he's got this little wallet. It's his first wallet. It's his first couple bucks. A couple weeks go by. I'm looking for something. I look under the couch. And there's, there's the wallet and all the dollars just spread everywhere. And I said, Cruz, where's your wallet? I don't know. Where's your money? I don't know. Dude, like that was your first wallet and your first money and you've already squandered it. He's like, I don't care. Haggai 1, 5 through 6. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Do you want to know the number one problem in all of our lives? Careful thought. Any mavericks in the room? Gunslingers, Wild West. This is not the Wild West anymore, folks. We live in civilized world. Give careful thought to your ways. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thought to your ways. He says, think about your life. Think about your life. Think about the area that we're talking about stewardship right now. Watch what he says. You've planted much, but you've harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough to drink. You never have your fill. You put clothes on, but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in your purse with holes in it. God says, give careful thought to your life. Isn't it interesting that you're not satisfied? Isn't it interesting that you never have enough? I don't want you to raise your hands right now, but I want you to do something crazy at church. I want you to be honest with yourself, okay? Are you satisfied? Are you at peace? Is your soul at peace? Do you have enough? Are you a steward of your life? Because I think one of the great challenges all of us have is enough is never enough. Now, if somebody asks you, are you happy? I'm so happy. I have a family and a roof. Are you liar? <laughs> You're craving more. You're looking at what Bill's done and Tom's. This is like the society that we live in. And God says, just think about this. You're unhappy. You never have enough. You always are lacking. Give careful thought. 
to your ways. And a lot of us find ourselves right there in that place where if we're being honest with ourselves, we're going, you know what, I'm dissatisfied. I don't have enough. I feel unskilled in my ways. I feel discouraged. I'm just stuck and there's never enough. What do we do when we get to the moment of that honest realization when we say it's time to take stewardship? It's time to take stewardship. Well, let me give you some thoughts. I want to give you four rules this morning that I think will be helpful. And I think these rules just come out of God's word. I didn't make them up, but I think they're good. And um, they really came out of a time in my life where, I mean, I was struggling just with, with, with really my value, my identity, my success, who I am in Christ. And the Lord really worked this message out in me, uh, interdependent of a sermon. God just gave this to me as a son, uh, as a father to a son, and I want to give it to you today. Rule number one. Uh, repeat after me. Honor what you have. Honor what you have. God's word says this in Proverbs 30, 25. Consider the end. It says this. Yet they store up food in the summer. Consider the ant. They are not small. They are not smart. They are not skilled. They are not crafty. But look at what scripture says. They store up food in the summer. And I just wrote this word down, yet they store. And God's words, if you look at the Hebrew language, that word store means this. They are firm and they are determined. This is what we know about an ant. An ant is not skilled, but it is firm and determined on some things. And here's what they're firm and determined on, to store what they do have. Okay, they're not skilled. You know, they're not hedge fund managers. Okay, they're not teachers or philosophers. They're not skilled, but what they do have is they are firm and they are determined to store or to honor what they do have. Rule number one is to actually begin to honor what you do have. See, I think so many times we look at what we don't have, we look at what we do want, we look at what somebody else does have, and all of a sudden what we have begins to seem very insignificant, very irrelevant, and we begin to dishonor it, and yet the ant says they are firm and determined to honor that. They store it. Now, let me take this to the next biblical level because I want to teach you the value in honoring what you do have. Because when you begin to honor what you do have, Scripture says some really, really, really neat things will begin to happen in your life. Watch what Scripture says. Uh, Psalms uh, 90, verse 12. It says this, Teach us, Lord, to number our days. That word number is the same word as store in the original language. Teach us to number or store our days. Watch what it says. That we may gain a heart of what? Wisdom. God's word says that when you begin to number your days, when you begin to store what you have, when you begin to honor what you have, God's word says you actually begin to get smart. God's word says that when you look at what you have, you currently have, and you honor it, you actually get smarter. Do you know why that is? Because you actually begin to apply your, your God-given wisdom and intelligence to steward what you do have instead of trying to chase what you don't. And God says, when you begin to go, okay, Lord, I've got six apples. And we do this, right? Like the Lord gives us six apples. We're like, Lord, I really want 10 apples. Anybody here would like a few more apples, right? And we do this with God. Lord, if you just give me some more apples... I'm going to steward those apples. And God says, here's your six. Steward them 
Because you will get wise. You will get smart. You will get intelligent if you do that. That word wisdom, that, that word wisdom, it means this. Skill, shrewdness, and prudency. That's what that word translates to. God's word says that when you actually begin to number what you have, when you begin to honor what God has already given you, God's word says that you will actually get more skillful, more skillful, more shrewd, and more prudent when you honor what you have. This is what stewardship means. Okay, God, you've trusted me this. I'm going to honor it. And God's word says as you begin to honor it, you're going to get more skillful, more shrewd, and more prudent. Now, let me give you one more. James 1, 2, 3, 4 says this. Consider, or the word counter store. It's the same word. Consider or counter store in pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of any kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. God's word says that when you begin to store or count even your trials, even your challenges, God's word says, look what happens. You will become mature, complete, and lacking nothing. So here's what God's word says. Number one, honor today. Honor what you have. This is, what, this is stewardship 101. Honor what you have according to God's word because if you go home and you go, this is what I have. This is what God's given me. This is my job. This is my family. This is my house. This is my challenges. This is what I have. We're going to honor it and we're going to begin to apply wisdom to it. God's word says that you will get shrewd. You will get skillful and you will be emotionally complete, lacking nothing. This is one I struggle with. I very much find my identity and what I accomplish. That's the way I'm wired, right? So I'm always evaluating. Is this going well? Is that going well? Should I be here? Should I be further? I'm going through all this stuff and I start thinking about, well, if I could just get here or if I could just pull that off or if I could just have this and all of a sudden I get very, very, very emotionally uneasy. I get discouraged. I get angry. I get frustrated. I view people differently. You know what happens? I get very immature. I get very incomplete. And I find that I'm lacking a ton. That's what happens. This is the most basic life stuff we're talking about right here. This is like going back to the original drawing board and saying, let's just get real clear. You ready? God's word says this. This is what I've given you. If you honor it, you will gain wisdom. You will gain maturity. You will gain, uh, uh, gain uh, uh, emotional health if you honor what you have. Stewardship 101, honor what you have. Rule number two, free yourself. Everybody say free yourself. Free yourself. Proverbs 5, 6, 5 through 8. Proverbs 6, 5 through 8. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers food for the harvest. Stewardship rule number two. Are you walking in freedom? You know what God says? Rule number one, after you honor what you have, here's rule number two. Start to get free. Did you know that God made us to walk in freedom? 
emotionally, financially, relationally, sexually, everything you can imagine. God is a God of freedom. And look what scripture says. It says, free yourself like a gazelle. I don't know what a gazelle is, but it sounds like it prances somewhere. I read that, I'm like, I'm supposed to prance. I'm a bird, I'm supposed to fly. God did not make me to be confined. But I build walls up all the time. Amen. I box myself in. I do it with decisions I make on my finances, my relationships. I do it when I don't steward what I have. And next thing you know, I'm no longer prancing or flying. I'm incredibly discouraged. And rule number two is this. Before you start trying to figure out if you can get more, why don't you start trying to figure out how you can free yourself right now? And you want to know a little secret from a 34-year-old opinionated kid? More is never better. Just ask people that have a bunch. We all think it, right? We fantasize about it. We could just get a little bit more. And you meet the guy that's got a bunch more. He's like, man, I don't know. I remember the good old days when we used to go down to, you know, islands and have some chips and relax. And I actually liked people. Now I hate the world and I got a bunch. You know, it's, just, it's, a, it's a burden. It's all these things. I'm not saying don't achieve. I say achieve and reach it. But the, the reality is that God says, my goal, God's goal for your life is not more. God's goal for your life is freedom. And when you walk in freedom, you watch and see how much more you get. But see, we put the goal of more before the goal of freedom. If I can just get more, then I'll get free. False, according to biblical stewardship. If I can just get free, then I can get more. And a lot of us in this room, we need to get free in some areas of our lives. Whether it's financial whether it's with arrogance, whether it's pride, whether it's deceit, whether it's physical, we need to get free so we can move forward. Now, I love it what he says. Uh, he says this, go to the ant, you sluggard. Now, this is not like slugger, right? This is not like God going, oh, slugger. No, he's like, hey, listen, you're dumb. Listen to me. <laughs> sluggard, it's not a nice thing. And sometimes dad needs to sit down and go, dude, you're killing me. Dude, I don't, know how to, I don't know how to say this. Do this. You know that, you know that little thing when you were a kid um, that you used to get a magnifying glass and you used to burn? Do you remember that thing? Do you, do you remember that little thing that you used to stomp out and think you were so big? and so? Go to that and learn. Go to that and observe what they do. Because you could learn a lot from them. Rule number three. You're responsible. Everybody say, I'm responsible. Man, don't we love, don't we love blame shifting? Can I get an amen? amen? We love it, don't we? That's not my fault. We do it in marriage like nobody's business. You know, oh, I don't know why you did that. This is going to go well, right? I can see this going well. It's your fault. I'll tell you a great story. This, was, this, this story shaped me. I was in college and I was reading a book. Um, if you've never read it, it's a great one. It's, it's uh, Giuliani's book on leadership. It tells a great story. He took over as mayor of um, New York City. He walked in the first day and uh, there was that beautiful 
you know, oak or mahogany desk, whatever it was. He says he walked in and he raced his hands across the front of the desk to just feel the, the, the texture and the feeling of the, of the desk, the mayor of the most powerful city in the world. And there was his nameplate, Mayor Rudolph Giuliani. He'd arrived. He said he got behind the desk and he clicked his little buzzer to his assistant. I don't know what her name was, his name, whatever. There's been a mistake. I need a new nameplate. Oh my gosh, Mr. Mayor, I'm so sorry. I can't believe we spelled your name wrong. Where's the, where's the mistake? No, 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 no. You, you spelled the name right, but the name tag, the name plate I need on this desk for my tenure of this job, I needed to just say, I'm responsible. Because I want to know that every day when I walk into this office, the guy that sits behind this desk is responsible. That's the name of the person that sits behind here. And I think one of the greatest areas of stewardship that we fail is responsibility. It's more convenient. It's more comfortable. It makes more sense to blame someone else. And it doesn't take long before we spiral back out of stewardship. Before we no longer are honoring what we have. Before we're, we're right back to getting uh, locked up and lacking responsibility. So he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. And he says, consider it. Your response, watch what it says. Consider its ways and be what? Wise. Consider its ways and be wise. Watch this. It has no commander, no overseer, no ruler, yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers food in the harvest. Now let me give you two thoughts. Number one, this really great thing happened uh, when we turned 18. Um, we became in charge of us. Congratulations. Isn't it great? It's wonderful. Like all of a sudden we exited this world where we could blame people and we entered into this world of I'm responsible. I remember I was getting ready to get married. I'm freaking out. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a husband. I'm going to be a pastor. And my dad calls and I'm like, hey dad. He's like, how you doing? I'm like, God, oh, I'm so nervous. Like, how do you be a husband? He needs, ah, go figure that one out. You know, how, how do you be a pastor? Uh, let me know when you figure that one out. I'm like, this isn't going very well, dad. Um, well, what's up, dad? Well, the reason I called, well, you know, just, you're getting married next week. I'm like, yeah. It's like, well, I just want to let you know you're going to be off our insurance. And I was like, what does that mean? Well, you mean you need to get your own insurance? We got to remember, I'm starting a church. I didn't get a job anywhere where, like, I walked in and they told me to fill out paperwork. I'm like, how does one get insurance? Will you call Blue? So I remember I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, my God. And not, not in vain. Like, oh, my God. I'm responsible. Consider its ways and be wise. This is what I love about the ant. It's a creature of responsibility. It's a creature of stewardship. And I think if we look at our lives and we go, where am I lacking responsibility right now? Where am I blame shifting? Where am I making excuses? Where am I calling? Where am I labeling this? this it's somebody else. The reason this is happening is somebody else. I just want you to know that excuse stopped working when you became an adult. Amen. Well, you know, my boss, forget your boss, get a new job and quit crying. No, I'm just saying, you're like, well, you don't know. No, you don't know. 
This is this game we play, and it's, it's lacking stewardship. It's, it's the boss's fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my kid's fault. Man, you're in a, this is stewardship issue. Now, you might leave here and be like, that was the most pompous 30-something-year-old kid I've ever met. In my, it's just scripture. <laughs> I mean, consider the ant. It has no commander, but look at the two things it does. This is what I think is so telling. It stores provisions in the summer and gathers food in the harvest. It stores when it's lean and it gathers when it's plentiful. It never says anything about spending. Find that interesting. When it's lean, it stores. When it's plentiful, it gathers. And never says, when things are going well, the ant goes bananas on a shopping spree. <laughs> it's stewardship. Don't you think that's pretty telling? When, it's, when it's, it stores in the summer, and it gathers in the harvest. Period. Look, consider that. It has no leader. It has no ruler. This is like... This is like a 17-year-old kid without a parent in an Amex. But look how it responds. Why? Because an ant is a creature of stewardship. Rule number four. Lazy equals less. Everybody say lazy equals less. Proverbs 24 through 5. I love this verse. Watch this. Sluggards, there's that word again. God's just, you know. Sluggards, do not plow in season. This is, what, this is so good. Watch this. Yet so harvest time, they look, but they find nothing. You know what I love about lazy people? They don't plow, but what do they do? They still look. Isn't that great? I love that. I mean, if that's not the definition of a lazy person, I don't know what is. Listen, listen. They do not plow in the season. So at harvest time, they still look, but they don't find anything. Every single one of us have been here or are here right now on some area of our life. We're not plowing in our marriage. We're not plowing in our, in our spiritual disciplines. We're not plowing in our physical lives. We're not plowing in our financial lives. But we look, don't we? Like, I have this terrible thing going on right now. I'm very dissatisfied with my mid-region my mid right now. I don't know if anyone else is. Maybe that's a common theme. And they're very dissatisfied. I don't do anything to change it, but I'm always looking. <laughs> it's, 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 it's asinine, right? Like, you're like, wait, it looks, just looks worse. What have you done? I didn't plow. I mean, I plowed, you know what I'm saying? But I didn't plow. But then I look as if I should have some change. And, you know, the, the Spirit of the Lord, he doesn't necessarily talk to me on these subject matters, but, like, common sense does. and goes, Josh, sluggard. <laughs> it's a stewardship issue. You know, we do this in our marriages. We don't plow in our marriages, but we keep looking for them to be better. We don't plow on our finances in our debt, but we keep looking for them to get better. We don't plow on our spiritual lives, but we expect them to get better. We don't plow in our dysfunction, but we expect it to go away. And God just goes... Can you just go look at the ant? Just consider it. Can you just consider it? 
the purpose. I love this. Listen to this. This is, this is where like, um, gosh, this, this, this show may have been right in between your time, so I may tell a bad joke right now, but, you know, whatever. I'm not here that often. Um, <laughs> do you guys remember Full House, or was that like right in between everybody's world here? Well, at the, end of Full House, I'm, at the end of Full House, it's always like this serious thing, and then like the music cues, and Danny Tanner comes in. If you haven't seen it, just like Google it, and the music comes in. It's like this father moment where it's like, you know, he's, he's been disciplining them. He's been upset with them. And all of a sudden, the music comes in, and everything's good. And this is, the music's about to come in. You ready? Here it goes. That was the only point to that. Here it is. The purpose of a person's heart are deep waters. But one who has insight draws them out. And this is what I feel like God's saying. He brings us in, and he says, look at that ant. Look how they're responsible and they're stewards and, and they don't have a leader yet they, they store and they, and, 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 and they, and they protect and they gather. And, and God's kind of just kind of a little bit laying into us with some, with some stuff, right? He's just coming right at us, giving us that dad talk. And then he stops and he goes, let me tell you why it matters. Let me tell you why this conversation matters. Because your heart is deep. Because your life has value. Because no matter what you feel, and no matter what you believe, and no matter what people have told you, God did not make you to fill time and space. God did not make you to, to, to occupy time and space. God made you for a brilliant, beautiful, unique purpose. He made you to love children, to love others, to share the gospel, to bring life to other people, to create and to wonder and to sing and to express and to discover and to solve. He made you with these brilliant things. And so often we never get to the beauty and the depth of our heart simply because of mismanagement. Simply because of 101 basic fifth grade management. And all of us in this room can relate to that. In some area of our life, we never get to the brilliance that God has designed us to do because we mismanaged. And God says, the beauty and wonder of your heart, it's so deep, it's deep waters. But he says this, you've got to have insight to draw it out. You gotta have insight to draw it out. How do we get insight? Boy, you know how insightful you get when you begin to honor what you have? My job is terrible. Maybe it is, but your attitude is equally as terrible. And the only thing that makes a job worse is a bad attitude, amen? amen? My marriage is terrible. I bet you are a crappy spouse. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on the limb. I bet you're no good. I bet you're selfish. I bet it's your way. I bet you notice all their stuff, but you don't ever see any of yours because, you know, you are God's gift. <laughs> I bet you're a bad spouse. You know, we just really have hard financial times. See, hard financial times, I mean, there are some very few people that for whatever reason, 
the world is against them, but it's not you. Amen? It's decisions. It's living inside of your means. My relation, I have no good relationships. Are you a good friend? Because I've just never met anybody. Call, I mean, listen, I'm only 34, so I have a lot. I just never met anybody that was a good friend that didn't have friends. Well, maybe I'm too young. Maybe, maybe, I'll, maybe I just need to live a little more. But I just haven't seen somebody that really is a good husband and a wife and a good steward and a good friend and a good worker that really ended up having a bad life. I just haven't seen it. I've seen people that are victims, poor me. And you know, some of you are in the room, and I, I, like, some of you are just wired that way. You know, you ever, you know, you're just like, the world's out to get me. Here's a little news flash. No, it's not. You're not that important. <laughs> They're not. Like the world's a really big, amazing, massive place, and you're not that interesting, amen? amen. So just start there. I, I, sometimes I think that, well, it's out to get me, and I'm like, and the, the Lord's just like, Josh, you're only that important to me. I'm the only one that loves you that much. The world is not that interested in you. So calm down and get up and go back to work. <laughs> Don't you think sometimes we just need to be honest and just be like, man, we need a stewardship talk. You know, so then, like, listen, let me, let me bring it together for a minute. I don't know what God is doing in your heart for this place. I'm not your pastor. You know, I'm the circus that comes in town every six weeks. That's about it. <laughs> but I know that God wants to do amazing things in your life. And I know this. Amazing is not the stuff we collect that every few months Ambets comes and gets. That's not amazing. Like clothes, I love shopping. Can I get an amen? I mean, it's not, you know, shoes. I mean, I like shopping. But it's not amazing. I love vacations. I love travel. I really do, but it's not amazing. Jesus changing our lives is amazing. Walking in freedom is amazing. Taking today and just loving it and squeezing the life out of it and giving compliments and being kind and being loving and building people up in Christ, that's amazing. I am all for shopping and vacations and nice cars and big homes and all the stuff that, you know, whatever, but it's not amazing. It's not deep, deep wells that we draw out. It's just not. I'll finish with this verse. Proverbs 13, 4. A sluggard's appetite, tell me, listen to this. A sluggard's appetite is what? Never what? Filled. But the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. You guys, even if you don't like me or my message, write these verses down and go reread them because they're so good. The des listen to this. The sluggard's appetite is never filled. The person that lacks stewardship and lacks responsibility and, and lacks kindness and lacks depth, you will never be satisfied. You signed up for a life of Groundhog's Day. 
Congratulations. It's going to be horrible. I meet people all the time and I just tell them, I, you know, I, I, pastor, I tell them, your life is going to be horrible for the rest of it. That's not very nice. I don't want it for you. But your perspective and what you're chasing and your working definitions of joy and satisfaction and depth have really positioned you in a bad way. You're never going to be satisfied according to Scripture. But the desires of the diligent, the steward, the desires of the steward, the desires of the steward are fully satisfied. Because you begin to position your life in a way that you steward what you have. And you begin to go, wow, God gave me this and I stewarded it and he gave me a little bit more. That's what Scripture says. And you steward what God gives you and you honor what God gives you, whether it's joy in your marriage or joy in relationships or finances or job, and you, you honor and God gives you a little bit more. And he gives you a little bit more. And then all of us go, hey, God, can I get like a double portion? And God's like, just calm down and keep getting, okay, okay. And we just keep doing it. And God says, and all of a sudden we go, wait a minute. I'm at peace. I'm satisfied. I'm going to ask the band to come up. Um, and, uh, and we're going to finish out with a song. Um, and I, would you stand with me as, as they come? Um, we're going we're gonna to take a time of communion. And I just want to say this to you. Um, if you guys ever want to get a really good mental picture of stewardship, just come up and take communion. Because God said, I'm willing to leverage everything for you. And I just want you to know this. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me as, as we get ready to play here. I just want to say this to you today. God has entrusted you what he has for a reason. And it is good. It's good. It's not bad. Your job isn't bad, and your marriage isn't bad, and your finances aren't bad, and your place of life isn't bad. It is what you have, and it's good. And if you love it, and you honor it, and you steward it, and you're kind to it, you will see the beauty and the depth in what God's given you. God, we come to you this morning, and we simply pray for a kingdom heart. God, we pray that we can see through your eyes, what we have. Lord, we want to be a church of stewards. We don't want to be a church of selfish, entitled people. We want to be a church that, that stewards this building in our relationships and our opportunities and our finances. God, we want to be people of stewardship. And sometimes we just need that basic, go to the ant, you sluggard talk. Sometimes we just need to go back to the basics of life and be reminded about stewardship. Lord, we love you and we trust you. We give you this song of praise today as we take communion. Amen.